You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Hope you're ready to receive God's Word this morning. Um, I'm not going to be preaching this morning. I'm really excited to, to introduce our new uh, Chi Alpha pastor, our college pastor, Alex Rossinger, to come and speak. I just want to set up context of where we're at right now as a church. Over the last several weeks, we've been in a series called Kingdom Culture, seeking to know the ways and learn the ways of King Jesus. So when you surrender your life to Jesus as Savior, you're also surrendering your life to Jesus, Jesus as King. He is King, and uh, it, it's our responsibility then to learn his ways and understand his ways and submit ourselves to his ways. And so we've been pressing into that over the last several weeks. But this week and over the next following two weeks, we're going to be uh, exploring a kingdom value that, which around here we pose in the form of a question. And Joe even said it earlier. It's, it's that question, who's next? Who's next? It's a, it's a kingdom value of this moment, this season on the earth that Jesus set in motion and Jesus modeled Jesus' heart was always for those that were not here, those that are not yet found. He wasn't as much concerned about those that were here, but yet those who are not yet here. His heart was longing for the, for the lost, for them to come in in this moment in history, in this season, this chapter in the, in the kingdom story. So, so God's heart is, is, saying, is pressing us to say, who's next? Who's next? God, thank you for what you've done in my life, but Lord, there's more. Who's next? We see that modeled in the life of Jesus when he, he calls to the children and says, let the, let the little ones come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He rebukes the disciples and turns, turns the ways of this world on head. We see that modeled in Jesus' life time and time again. We see it modeled in his ministry when he chose to use a ragtag group of teenagers to turn the world upside down. Like Jesus used the unqualified, the unassuming to do his kingdom work. And so all those those demonstrations of, of the kingdom of God we're, we're taking note of in, in the, over these next few weeks. So you're going to be hearing from different, uh, some of our pastoral staff in the following weeks to just uh, allow you to, to hear their heart, specifically as we press into that value of who's next. So this morning, I'm really excited to introduce our new Chi Alpha pastor, Alex Rossinger. He's new to his position on our team, but he's not new to Ames or this church. I remember when I first met Alex the summer before his freshman year at Iowa State, uh, there was just a quick bond that was formed between me and Alex. And I saw a young man that, that wanted to, to grow in the Lord, and I saw him encounter Jesus in an amazing way. I saw God use him on the, on the campus, and uh, there was just a real friendship there that I really valued. He moved on from Iowa State, graduated with an engineering degree, went into the marketplace, uh, pursued a graduate degree, did amazing things uh, in the marketplace and serving in the church. But as we began to, to pray about the future of Chi Alpha and this next season for Chi Alpha and what God wants to do on the campus, Alex and Katie Rossinger um, just came to the top, top of my mind, top of the list as, 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 as individuals that I really felt like God wanted to bring back in this moment. And so as I reached out to them, God just orchestrated it all over a year-long process and allowed them to come. And uh, as I was praying for this week, really praying for Alex and, and for this season at Chi Alpha, I just really continued to hear a co- confirming word from the Lord that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for the college campus and frames. 
And uh, what's been brewing in my heart is nothing short of a student awakening or a revival on the college campus. And so we're still pressing into that. We're believing for that. And I believe the time is now. And so this is what I want us to do. And we're going to do this over the next several weeks. Would you stand to your feet and give a huge shout? Be pretty rowdy. Let's give a huge hand uh, for Alex Rossinger as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Drew. Um, quick plug, since I have the mic. Uh, if you are a college student and you uh, are here this morning with us, you're joining us online, we meet Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. in this sanctuary, um, and we would love to have you come to Chi Alpha Nights. We call them Chi Alpha Rallies. Just gathering together, rallying around what our call is uh, for the campus and to encounter Jesus. So we'd love to have you. Um, I'm going to pray before we jump in, um, and then, uh, yeah, let's just open up our hearts to what I feel like God has for us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much that you're speaking clearly this morning. Lord, we thank you for the word that you gave to Miss Connie. Lord, we accept that. We say yes to that. We want to move beyond distraction and press on. God, we thank you so much that you're better than any distraction this world could offer. Every time we choose to set aside the distractions, it's an act of worship of something so much better, which is you, Jesus. And so, God, we say yes to that. We say yes to moving on and pressing into you. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do this morning. I just pray that the word of God would cut to the heart. And, Lord, that we would, would put our, uh, we'd let our, our guard down as you speak to us and you say what needs to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so under the tutelage and inspiration of Pastor Drew, um, after I graduated from college, um, I began to pursue a new hobby, something I don't do very often, but I love. Um, Drew, when I was a, a college student, um, talked about him and Tanya going on a trip to Hawaii. And Hawaii is the cliff-jumping capital of the world. And he talked about how he had experiences going up north to northern Minnesota, the Boundary Waters, to uh, go cliff jumping. And my, like, my heart started to burn for something like that. I was like, that sounds great. Like, this is what a man is being about. Like, finding some really ridiculously high uh, platforms and rocks and cliffs to jump off of and jumping in. And so I decided to go for it myself. And after I graduated college, I had different opportunities to go cliff jumping. And I had two peak experiences. One, it was our, my Katie and I's first anniversary trip. We went to Hawaii, the big island. I went to South Point, which is the southernmost uh, point in the entire United States. And I jumped off into the open ocean off a 40-foot cliff into 20 feet of, uh, deep of crystal clear water. One side was the raging ocean. The other side was like this calm, calm bay. And it was insane. I had to climb up uh, this like 40-foot sketchy ladder. But then... The, the next peak experience I had, and this is by far the best one, is I was with a bunch of guys, and we were going cliff jumping in northern Minnesota to State Park. And we, when we got there, you know, there's various levels of experiences and levels of, of courage and willingness to try new, new things. And so we started jumping off like five, ten-foot cliffs, and and then we eventually worked our way up to a 20-foot cliff. And then there was this local kid that came by because um, the state park was just right outside of a small town. And he showed us another place where we could jump off of this near 30, nearly 30 feet, uh, like some of the highest I jumped at this time. Well, ab above all this was, uh, as we were in a ravine jumping into a small river, was this bridge, a steel truss bridge. And um, the, the local kids said, hey, when the conditions are right, some people actually will jump, across, jump off that bridge into the river below. And this, river, like this, this bridge is probably twice the height of the cliffs that we were jumping off of. And so um, I was like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe people will do that. Well, lo and behold, um, like maybe 20 minutes later, a bunch of high school students came. 
And the high school boys were with high school girls, and they wanted to impress the girls, so they themselves climbed up to the top of this bridge, and I watched as they climbed over the railing and jumped off 60-plus feet into this small river below. And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy, but if high school students can do it, and, you know, they didn't have any, if they didn't have a broken leg, and if there's no, their skulls aren't bashed in, maybe I have a chance of doing this too. So I didn't want to be outdone, so I climbed up to the top of the bridge. I climbed over the railing. My feet were still on the pad. I was holding the railing, leaning forward, and I said a quick prayer. Literally, I remember saying, Jesus, I love you. Thank you that you, you keep me close. And then I, I, I let go of the railing. I pushed off, and boom, I plummeted 60 feet to my certain demise. Um, that's not what happened, but I did plummet 60 feet, and for about two, you could count, for like two, two and a half seconds, I was falling. I could feel the acceleration of the earth pull me faster and faster and faster. The wind was like rushing past my ears, and you could almost start to feel as you got closer and closer the weightlessness that it comes with free fall. And then, boom, I plunged into the water, didn't touch the ground, which was great, and I was able to swim back out, and I loved it. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I loved it so much that I decided to do it again, and so I went, I climbed to the top of the ridge, and I did it again. And like I said, I was with a bunch of guys at the time, and no one else did it with me, surprisingly. The, the lead pastor or the, the director of University of Minnesota, Kyle Alpha, if he's listening to this, you should have done it with me, man. Um, he, he wouldn't do it. But I eventually had to come home uh, and, and tell the story to my wife. She wasn't there. And so as I was telling the story, she responded like any, any wife would. She judged me for it. And and eventually I realized I probably should tell my parents too. And I told my parents, and like any parents would, they judged me for it. And I, my, parent, my grandparents were there, and so when I told them, they judged me for it. And a lot of people would say what I did by jumping off this, this 60-foot bridge is that I went against better judgment, or I went against good judgment. And in some ways, that's really true. Like, I have a five-month-old son. Like, I understand now as a parent that if my, eight, my son turned 18, he jumped off a bridge without me being there, I would probably lose my mind. But, um, you know, in, in life, I've started to realize that there are times in life that we have to go against better judgment. If we want to live a life that's full, we sometimes have to take the risk to go against what would be good judgment or what would be against, uh, against what would be adverse to risk. And what has made, been ex, made excruciatingly clear during the, the season of COVID-19 is that we really do have to step out in times against better judgment in order to live a life that's full. And I would argue, even more so as followers of Jesus, when we respond to God's call in our life and what he's asking us to do, we need to go against and be ready and willing to go against better judgment. We need to be ready and willing to go against better judgment. In my own life, I've, there's been times where I've heard people say I've gone against better judgment for a variety of things. In high school, there were certain people I befriended, and people said I was going against better judgment by being his friend. And people, I literally, there was a girl laughed in my face about it. I, when I decided to go to a public university, people thought I was going against better judgment rather than going to a, a private Christian school. I was going to lose the faith. Or when, when I decided to propose to my wife after dating for six months, people thought I was going against better judgment rather than waiting the two to three years that is typical. People thought I was, that Katie and I were going against better judgment when we chose to leave our, or leave our jobs in the Twin Cities to come down to Ames, Iowa to be part of Chi Alpha and what God is doing in this community. I've also heard people say uh, about things about my friends, my friends and family who've gone against quote-unquote better judgment. People said my family members have gone against better judgment when they decided to take their families and have gone and are going to go to Asia and go to the Middle East to be missionaries to advance the kingdom of God. People said my dad, he went against better judgment when he left a lucrative career in Minneapolis to pastor a small town church in northwest Iowa. 
I've, I've heard people say that other people have gone against better judgments as they gave away large chunks of their income and large chunks of money to help those in need or to advance specific ministries. I bring all of these points up and these examples up because very often the world is yelling at us, no, you're going against better judgment. But also, I would, I would argue that for far too long, the capital C church, the church at large, has been right alongside the world joining in chorus saying, no, hold on, you're going against better judgment. But followers of Jesus are called at times to go against better judgment. We know this for two reasons. One, for generations and generations and generations of Christians, of followers of Jesus, they've gone against better judgment. They've done the crazy, ridiculous things. But two, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ himself, has set the example for us. So this morning, I want for us to turn into Luke 19 uh, and, and look at one of these examples where Jesus went against better judgment. Luke 19, verse 1, uh, Jesus talks about, um, it talks about, the scripture talks about Jesus going and passing through a town. By that phrase, you would think, okay, he's not planning on stopping. He's passing through this town. And as he goes across this town, he stops and he sees someone that does not have a good reputation. And so against better judgment, he chooses to spend time with him. And we see the good fruit that comes as a result. So in Luke 19, verse 1, we'll hear scripture exactly what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Everyone knows that song. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming down that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I had cheated anybody um, out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus enters this town, and he's walking through. And again, it says that he's passing through, so he probably doesn't have a reason to stop. But what we see when, he, when there's this man, this other little man, running ahead of him to try to find Jesus, to see Jesus for himself, Jesus stops and he has what we, would, what we call a word of knowledge. And he looks at Zacchaeus. He doesn't, we don't know that he would know his name for any other reason. He says, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest at your house today. Come down from there. Zacchaeus comes down. He's excited because no one wants to hang out with him. And Zacchaeus, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. But the, all the while, the crowds, not just the Pharisees, not just the holier than thou, everybody is saying, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. And so in this story, we see that Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Against better judgment, Jesus loved Zacchaeus. So for us, in this day and age, we should follow Jesus' example by going against better judgment and loving people like Jesus does. Again, Scripture says that all the people muttered, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Why was Zacchaeus so bad? Well, he had the reputation of being rich, which in that day and age was not necessarily a great thing. Two, he was a tax collector. And during that time, if you work for the IRS now, this is, I'm not saying this is about you at all, but during that time, 
tax collectors, they were considered a traitor to their own people. They, were, they betrayed their own brethren. They, the Hebrew people were a conquered nation. And so the conquering empire wanted to extract resources out of the conquered people. And so the tax collectors were the means to do that. And so not only were the tax collectors, you know, of their own blood, Hebrew people pulling resources out of the conquered people, giving it to the Romans, but oftentimes they would do it in a fraudulent way. And where they would overpull, they would over-extract the responsibilities of the Hebrew people and pocket the difference themselves. And so not only was he rich and he was a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He was the worst of the worst. No one wanted to be around this guy. No one wanted to be in the house of a sinner. And yet, against better judgment, Jesus went to be in the house of a sinner. Against better judgment, we should love people like Jesus does. I have a friend who was living in Minneapolis a few years ago, um, and he was living right on the edge of downtown with his wife. And one evening, him and his wife decided to go uh, to a park nearby, and they were just hanging out at the park, and they struck up a conversation with this woman. And the woman they were talking to, um, as they got to know her, they, they started to hear her story. And they realized that she was a single mom, um, that her kids were there at the park, out, you know, playing on the playground. And there was a boyfriend, but he was, you know, not, you know, they're not married, so in and out. But they realized as they got to know her more and more that this woman and her, her children, they were, they were homeless. And so my, my friend asked, okay, where do you plan on staying the night tonight? And she replied, well, here at this park. We plan on sleeping here. And my, my, my friend and uh, his wife decided they were so convicted by the Holy Spirit that they said, okay, we got to do something about it. And so they decided to invite this woman and her two kids, complete strangers, into their one-bedroom apartment to spend the night with them. They gave up their, their living room, which was greater than 50% of their house at the time. They, they brought them in. They gave them supper. They, 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 um, they let the kids take a bath. They washed their clothes. They gave them popsicles so the kids were pumped. And they got to watch a movie and kind of have a normal night at home. Then they let them spend the night in their own one-bedroom apartment. The next day they got up and my friend gave them enough money so that the next night they could spend the night in a hotel and be off the street again. And when my friend began to tell the story to different people, when he told me, you know, like, I was like, wow, that is a high call. Like, I don't know if I could say yes to that. That's tough. But, like, amazing. That's, like, that's the love of Jesus. But when he told other people, other people responded in a way of, like, are you kidding? Do you know how risky that is? Like, you're a newlywed. You have a wife and a family protect now. You let people in that you don't even know? Better judgment would say to let that person sleep. In the park. But my friend, following the example that Jesus set, decided to go against better judgment and let this, this woman and her kids sleep in their own home and provide a place for her to spend the next night. Against better judgment, Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Against better judgment, we should love people like Jesus does. We also see in the story of Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus himself had a heart change. He encountered the love of God for himself. Jesus said, I'm going to go be the, the guest in your home today. And so we don't know exactly what happened in that conversation. But at the end of it, Jesus, or Zacchaeus stands up and he says, look, Lord, today I'm going to give half of what I own away to the poor. And I'm going to give everyone I've stolen from, everything that I, I took from them and fourfold. I'm going to pay them back four times the amount that I've taken from them. And why should Zacchaeus do that? I mean, I thought he only owed 10% tithe. Why should Zacchaeus pay back the people he stole from fourfold? Shouldn't it just be what he took from them plus interest? Against better judgment, Zacchaeus responded to the love of Jesus. 
Against better judgment, Zacchaeus decided to give half of what he owns to the poor and to pay back the people he stole from fourfold. Against better judgment, we too should respond to Jesus' love for us. Against better judgment, we should respond to Jesus' love for us. I have another friend who was living in Minneapolis. He was a college student, and this happened again a few years ago. Uh, and he was, he was going to university, and he was out one night with a couple of friends, and they were on a treasure hunt. If you don't know what a treasure hunt is, all it is is just someone going out, asking God, hey, could you highlight someone to me that I can pray for? In the simplest form, that's really what it is. And so my friend was, was going around. He was walking the, edge, the, the, the neighborhoods on the edge of downtown. And someone was sitting on their doorstep, a middle-aged man. And he called out to my friend. He said, hey, give me your money. And it wasn't like a, a shakedown. Like he wasn't like trying to steal from him. And it wasn't like a, I'm begging for your money. He just said, hey, give me your money. And, you know, my heart, if I was in this situation, I'd be like, you're like, my money. This is my money. Why do you have anything to do with my money? But my friend, he, you know, he didn't really know quite what to do in that situation, so he walked away. But as he walked away, he felt the Holy Spirit start to convict him and say, well, maybe, maybe I should give this guy money. Maybe this is what I should do. And so he went to another friend, and he said to his friend, hey, am I crazy? I feel like Holy Spirit is telling me that I should withdraw most of what I have in my bank account and give it to this man. And his friend said, well, if God's telling you to do it, then you should do it. And so my friend, against better judgment, went to his bank account, withdrew most of what was in there. It wasn't much because he was a college student. And he went and he gave this random person that he would never see before and would never see again and blessed him with most of the money in his bank account. Against better judgment, my friend responded to the love of Jesus that he, and, the, and by blessing that random man. Against better judgment, Zacchaeus responded to the love of Jesus by giving up half of what he owned and paying back people four times the amount that he cheated. Against better judgment, we should respond to Jesus' love for us. So what does this mean for us? Does it mean that we should give up half of our home for a night to let a homeless family stay? Probably not, but maybe does it mean that we should go to our bank account, withdraw most of what we have to give it to a random person and to bless them? Probably not. But maybe what it does mean is that we should be ready and willing to go against the better judgment of the day, to go against better judgment of the world, to respond and to love people like Jesus does. Better judgment would say we should only spend time with people who are like us. For the people that we get along with, that we click with. But if we want to focus on who's next, then we need to be willing and ready to spend time with people who we don't get along with, who we don't necessarily click with, who could benefit from it. We need to be ready and willing to respond to Jesus' love for us and the example he set by going against better judgment. Better judgment would say we should save up as much money as we can right now so we can have a nice life and a cush retirement. If we focus on who's next, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us real money. It's going to cost us the opportunity to, to take a student out to lunch who we may never see again. Or it's going to cost us the ability to invite people over and have a meal for them. Or give money to a person in need or a ministry that needs it. We need to be ready and willing to respond to Jesus' love for other people and for us by going against better judgment. Better judgment would say the next generation is a bunch of godless, narcissistic, and selfish kids who, don't, who aren't worth any of my time. But focusing on who's next is being willing to invest in relationships for those who need it the most. 
We need to be ready and willing to go against better judgment, to love people like Jesus did and how he loves us. Better judgment would say, don't waste time on college students because they will be gone in a few years. Focusing on next means investing in relationships when we may not even see the dividends of it ourselves. We need to be ready and willing to go against the better judgment of the day to respond to Jesus' love for us and to others. Many in the mainstream culture and even in the church itself have spoken a, a bad word over this new generation of the students that are on the campus right now at Iowa State. They are called the most irreligious, technology-obsessed, depressed, anxious, and foolish generation yet. What I am encouraging us as a church is to go against the better judgment of this world. Can we as a community go against the better judgment of this world and begin to speak God's word and life over the students at Iowa State University? Can we, against better judgment, go against the judgment of this world and begin to pray God's will and contend for every single heart of students at Iowa State University? Can we go against better judgment and stop ignoring the students we see in our everyday lives who are just one encounter away from knowing Jesus. And why should we do that? Because Jesus went against better judgment for us. Jesus went against better judgment for you. Jesus, who's the Son of God, was living in perfection in, in heaven. And he saw humanity, and he didn't want to leave us in our muck and our mire. And so he descended from heaven and incarnated himself as a man. He put flesh on. He was fully God, fully man. And he lived life just like us as a carpenter in the everyday slog. And yet he still lived a perfect life. And he submitted himself to death, death on a cross. And in scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. God went against better judgment. Jesus went against better judgment for you and for I. Three days later, he came back, he rose from the grave, and he invited us into right relationship with the Father. So this morning, I want us to respond to the word of God by going against better judgment of this world. So I'm going to ask you guys all to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to do two things to respond. I say this in Chi Alpha a lot. We want to be doers of the word rather than hearers of the word. So the first way we're going to respond is if there is anyone in here that has not yet given their life to Jesus, or maybe you have in the past, and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to extend an invitation for you to do so. See, Jesus went against a better judgment for you. You were a sinner. You were a dirty, rotten sinner. You were, you were left for your own destruction, and Jesus decided to intervene by coming to this world, living a life that you and I couldn't live, and dying on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, to exchange his life for ours. And so this morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, accept the forgiveness of sins because of his perfect work on the cross, and declare his lordship over your life, I want you to raise your hand. Would you raise your hand? Because I would love to pray for you. Cool. So if you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, I want to pray for you, and you can pray in your heart something like this. This has nothing to do with the words that we say from our mouth, everything to do with the posture of our hearts. So God, we just pray right now, we thank you for the, for the fact that you went against better judgment for us. God, right now, 
I confess of my sins. I writ that I'm a, I'm, I've made mistakes. I've failed. And this morning, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And I declare that you are Lord. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I want to set aside distraction and to follow you for the rest of my life. You can have my heart and you can have my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, I'm going to ask you all to stand up and we're going to respond in a, a, a slightly different way. I want for us um, to use this opportunity to go against better judgment and turn our hearts and our physical bodies towards the university, which is strategically placed at the center of our community. We are on the shores of 30,000 college students who every one of them need an encounter with Jesus. And every one of them, it is God's heart for them to encounter that same Jesus. So would we as a community go against better judgment and start investing in that community, being willing and ready to stop at a drop of a hat, to invest in a relationship, to take someone out to lunch, to pray for the students at Iowa State University? So let's do that together right now. I would like for all of us to turn that direction towards the university. This isn't anything super spiritual. It's just symbolic of where we want to turn in our hearts and our posture and the direction of our lives. So our university is right over there, just south of 13th Street. And let's pray together. If you would be willing to extend your hands towards the university, let's pray together that God would do the impossible there. That we would go against better judgment in partnership with God for what he wants to do at the university at Iowa State. So Lord, right now, we just thank you for what you want to do on the campus of Iowa State University. God, we thank you that you went against better judgment to save us. And so God, we thank you that you went against better judgment to save every single person on the campus of Iowa State. God, that your heart is for every single person, that they would encounter you, Jesus, that they would, there would be none that are left to perish. And so God, we pray that there would be opportunities for each person to hear the gospel, to hear the good news. God, we pray that we as a church would go against better judgment and step out and be the answer to that on our own prayer. God, that we would be the ones to go against better judgment and share the gospel in a moment. God, we would be the ones that would go against better judgment and pray and contend for the hearts of those who are waking up this morning hungover, who are waking up this morning completely hopeless. God, we pray for their hearts, or they would encounter you, Jesus. We pray that there would be a stirring among them right now. God, that they would be reeling and ready. God, that they would be ready to, to set aside the distractions of this life and say yes to you. God, we choose to go against better judgment and invest in this community because you chose against, against better judgment to invest in us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the university. We thank you that you went against better judgment for us. Amen. We're going to end in a quick song. And I would encourage you, as we end in this song, to start asking God for a vision of what this looks like in your own life. Because it's going to play out very differently. But I want to ask you to go against better judgment of what would normally be the norm for you and ask God how you can step out and invest in the campus of Iowa State University. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.